A quick disclaimer, for this episode, we did experience some sound issues and didn't notice until we were about halfway through recording. Instead of scrapping the recording, we did our best to edit it so that you can still listen to our thoughts. But please know that we will improve this for next time. Hello, and welcome to the Double Take Podcast, a show where we're here for one more good day. I'm Jenny Cullen. She's Jess Ball. Together, we are an emotional wreck here to discuss episode three of The Last of Us. Long, long time. Hi, Jess. Hi, Jenny. I'm so excited. I have many emotions. <laughs> yeah, so episode three of The Last of Us, written by Craig Mazin and directed by Peter Hoare. This episode, we see Joel and Ellie making their way west to see Frank and Bill, survivors that Joel knows. Uh, and then we flash back to Doomsday. We see Bill, a survivalist. We then spend the episode getting to know him and a man named Frank, and we see their lives play out over the span of 20 years. So sort of a departure from the last few episodes, we really spend quite a long time with these characters that we hadn't hadn't met before. Sort of an interesting choice and yeah. one of the best episodes of television I've ever <laughs> seen. Just, just to get that out of the way, I'm in awe. I'm shocked. I'm amazed. Agog, aghast. Uh, I was surprised, but pleasantly so at like the difference between this episode and last episode and also, and the first, like I like how differently the the setups of all of the episodes are so far. I feel like some people may have actually, no, I don't know why I'm saying that. I was going to say, I bet some people may have found it jarring to go straight into this, like taking it immediately out of the the path of Joel and Ellie's story and then spending almost 45 minutes with these people we only meet for this episode, but I loved it. I loved it so much. <laughs> I was wondering that too, if anyone could possibly have a problem with this. And I think the only thing people might have a criticism of is is sort of that it's not it's not TV in any typical sense. Like it's not really telling a story the way TV shows do. It's really re- reworking the concept of a TV series. They almost feel like mini movies, each one of these. And I think that's sort of an interesting way to do it. But I don't see how anyone could possibly have a gripe about this episode. <laughs> like, if they do, I'm ready to fight. The way you said that, I thought you were going to say it's almost like a little mini, like, anthology episodes that, that all tie together. That, like, be, like, this was a separate story, but obviously he knew the main characters. And I see what you mean, but I wonder if they'll do it. Like, I wonder if we'll see any sort of, I guess, like, spinoff characters or separate characters or whatever and their stories. Like, if we'll see anything like this again in the series or if this was just a one-off and I don't think I care if it is I'm not like oh what a strange structural choice they've made I'm just like that was the best thing I've ever (laughs) seen I don't know I normally I would have more thoughts about the structure but I don't No, I like so much that it gave us more of an idea of what else is happening just sort of same similar to the um second episode where I didn't mind the beginning that intro scene because it gave me more of an idea of what was happening in other parts of the world Like, yes, this is still the United States, but it just gives a different slice of like, oh, other people are not living within QZs or like infected people. You have these in-between zones and it just kind of rounds out the world even more, which I really enjoyed. I did. I thought about that, too, about if the show's concept is more about, you know, in a dystopian world, the things that are important are connection, relationships. Mm. I mean, surviving, obviously, but the show is really leaning into this, these relationships and having these two characters that we don't really know, don't know at all before this episode, and then just showing their whole relationship and showing what it's like to survive and to form connection. That seems sort of random when you 
think about not knowing the <laughs> characters before, but then in the end I, of the day, like I think this is the point of the show. Like I think that we will see more of this in the rest of the show. I wonder how much of it will be focused on just Joel and Allie and their connection mm. or how many other stories we'll get. But I like that they're really driving home that idea of like this is about the people. This isn't about zombies. That wasn't a zombie show. The most <laughs> important part, uh, like clearly surviving is a lot of it. Like that is, you know, it, they're, they're trying to survive, but it's not the most important part. And this episode sort of underscored that. Like it doesn't matter. What are you surviving for? Like it doesn't matter if you're just surviving if you can't then live afterwards was uh, that very cheesy to say? no it was like I'm like literally still <laughs> emotional about this episode I woke up and I was like I can't believe a little zombie show just wrecked me like that like I was so upset <laughs> a little zombie show yeah, I saw a tweet that compared the episode to the first 10 minutes of up it was like this episode was, oh my god if the first 10 minutes of up was a whole movie length and it was set in apocalypse or the dystopian America and that's so um, true. And Nick Offerman like, just was that, the little old man. <laughs> <laughs> just that relationship arc for these people that like, you don't know yet. Well, in, in Up, you don't know yet. And in this show, you don't know beforehand. And you won't know mm-hmm. after, I guess. But just that it's so important in them. It feels like everything in that moment. It feels like I met these people, loved them, and then got my heart ripped out. Before we say anything else, I feel like I should say a couple of things. Unless you've been listening to the other episodes of this podcast, these are full spoiler episodes. We're going to say everything that's happened in the show. And in that vein, uh, slight trigger warning for this episode in particular, uh, it does discuss some suicide. There are some some discussions of suicide. Okay, so jumping back for a moment to the beginning of the episode, we start with Joel and Ellie, even though most of the episode doesn't include them. And we see them making their way west. and. The opening shot is like Joel in a river, like a riverbed. Uh, and then the overlay says 10 miles west of Boston. And I thought to myself, well, that seems fake. And then you immediately texted me. <laughs> the geography is messing with me. And I was like, oh, same page. Like 10 miles from Boston is Waltham from Boston to Lincoln is just like Waltham. It's just like a city. It's a town. I mean, could it be like the ap- apocalypse like ruined the – like made a river like is that what we're supposed to think i think at the end of the day they just weren't they didn't care that much about <laughs> geographical <No>. accuracy <laughs> but it's funny that i had that thought and it, i sort of had the thought and then just like skipped on past it and then i laughed when you texted me because i was like yeah i yeah. did i did think clearly not too. the charles river it doesn't really make sense for that to be it but whatever it may be it, yeah we're in apparently 10 miles west of boston <laughs> right and then we see them stop at what a convenience store of some Cumberland sort. Cumberland Farms. Joel, yeah. Yeah. And Joel's trying to pick up – oh, is it literally Cumberland Farms? That's very it Massachusetts literally. of them. So that's cute. The interesting scene in this, I guess, setting is that Ellie goes into the basement and she finds an infected who is very unwell <laughs> and trapped. What What is she doing when she stabs him in the head? I didn't understand that. I thought maybe she was trying to see if he bled blood, like how 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 infected he was. I don't know why, but that was my first thought. The like little slit across the forehead was to see how much left of his humanity, how much of his humanity was left. Um, but that's truly me just reading into everything, like trying to piece it together. I don't know. Yeah, I'm guessing we're not supposed to know or that. It, it's not obvious to us at this point, and like that's 
I don't think I just missed something. Like, I think nobody is expected to really know yeah. right now. She just sort of keeps it to herself, doesn't tell Joel. And Unless Ellie's I, I like imagine, a weird sadist. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's not, but maybe. But no, yeah. I imagine we'll probably find out something about that later. And then – Wait, I oh. would just – just to I was a little bit concerned when she didn't tell Joel. I mean, not that she killed the thing, but that there was one down there. Because, like, what if there were more, you know? Like, I feel like my first thought would be like, hey – um, we may not be alone here. Clearly, there's at least one infected here. Potentially, there are more. And then she just doesn't say anything. Yeah, it really doesn't. That seems it doesn't like a bad make choice, sense to me but... in this moment. They were fine, so I guess we can move past it. But I thought it was strange. And then they're they're continuing to walk, and they see a plane. That seemed like it was ripped from the game. I do like the little reminders that Ellie has is truly has grown up in this pandemic, and just like thinks of things like. Riding in planes is really cool. Riding in cars is really cool, as we see later. And I like those little reminders. Um, yeah. It reminds me of other like dystopian books and TV shows and things like that that I've seen where there's always, I feel like, a kid who like doesn't know what the world was like, who's like, a plane? You flew? Like that feels like I've seen that before, but it's always cute. I know. And then it makes me sad to think what it would be like to live in like the same 10 square miles like in the QZ for your like whole childhood and never get to see any of the world, especially the way it was before. Also in that same scene, I believe when they're walking past the plane, Joel and Ellie or Ellie was asking how it all happened. A little bit of info dumping there, getting Joel to say his, uh, his theories for how the infection began, which I found interesting because, because she was like, clearly someone had like, if it's spread just by bites, clearly someone had to have it first. How did that happen? And it was interesting, yeah, to know like in this universe, it can be ingested too, but they don't seem concerned about that as much as the bites at this point. Yeah. So the flour and sugar thing, I'm glad you brought up because I had forgot to mention, actually seemed like a very key piece of information and was very interesting to me because we didn't really see in the first two episodes how the pandemic started. But she brings up a good point. Like, how did so many people get infected at once to create this doomsday situation or D-Day or whatever you call it? Like, if only – if it could only be spread by biting. But what I found interesting about what Joel said was that he said September 26, 2003 was the dooms night. But the <laughs> prologue that we saw in the last episode was September 24th, I think, or maybe the 23rd even. I'm pretty sure it was at least one or two days before what he called Doom's Night in the U.S. So I wonder if that's – is that a regional thing? Like did it spread in other countries first? I feel like it feasibly could have if it really was just in like a food supply. But I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. I'm having a hard time – or not a hard time, but I, I feel like when I'm watching, I want to be making a note of when the dates are and what the passage of time is because it feels important. But then at the same time, I don't want to be – taking myself out of the I'm tearing myself back and forth between wanting to like think a lot about what the timing is and that sort of thing and then being like forget it it's fine just like watch the tv show have a good time but I also I like when he said that date I was like is that the same as last time I had that same thought too but I didn't actually go and check so that is interesting that you did I didn't verify it I could have been wrong nope it was pure pure memory <laughs> I have like I did not double check that if I started out with an episode that was like all exposition, it would have been really boring and 
a terrible way to tell the story. So I'm okay with the way yeah. that they're doing it. I just oh, I liked did. that we got that piece of info for sure. So then we see them immediately after that. We see them come upon this field of bones. And then they zoom in on the blanket and then cut to the blanket being wrapped around a baby. And I was like, no, 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 no. I am not okay with this. Like I was that was really upsetting. I thought that was pretty dark. It was really dark. I don't I don't think I remembered or knew that they were killing people that weren't infected. People were told that they were being taken to the QZ and they were as long as there was space. Otherwise, they were mass executed because dead people can't get infected, which is just dark, like very yeah. dark, as you said. Um, very depressing. I guess I just immediately – I immediately was like, okay, this is very – sort of like classic dark dystopia. I immediately like accepted that fact until they showed that they were killing babies. And then I was like, nah, this is like fucked up, fucked up. And that really, that really bothered me. Little did I know that was the least emotionally wrecked I would be in that episode. The tie in between the seeing the blanket and then seeing that a real baby being wrapped in a blanket in Lincoln, Massachusetts, and then that bringing us into um, the Nick Offerman show <laughs> of, the, of the episode was so subtle. And I like, I mean, it wasn't, I don't know. I don't know if I would call it subtle, subtle, but I just, everything flowed really well. Nothing was weird or jarring or I'm so impressed with so far the way that what we said in, in the beginning, like the show don't tell, but also just the, the, the woven storytelling between all of the things that they're juggling really good. It was a really good way to tie in seeing Bill and meeting him. I thought it was so funny when he is in his little bunker and like is looking at the footage and sees everyone gone and he's just like giddy. He's just like, yeah, I'm by myself now and I can just like mm-hmm. be a dude on like my farm and then like makes his whole defense system. And he's this is what he's been training for. (laughs) Literally, like he is a doomsday prepper. Like sign him up for that TV show. He's a survivalist, Jess. Well, (laughs) sure. And it was it's so funny to watch him, I don't know, really be Nick Offerman. I was like, this is so perfectly cast. Like deep down, I think he really is this man. He's just he wants to hunt and build canoes. But also cook really delicious meals and like do woodworking Mm -hmm. and also like set up crazy traps to kill infected it's it was just so perfect and it was a really good intro to who he was but a very i thought sort of sad existence i was trying to figure out what does this man think he has to live for this is before we meet frank yeah oh yeah absolutely it was a for i was set up before i realized it was nick offerman which i realized embarrassingly late um, I mean, like once he took off his mask, <laughs> that was when I realized it was Nick Offerman. Um, but yeah, at first I was like, oh boy, we've got like a nut job on our hands. Some like guy who's probably going to be one of the raiders who's just like waiting for everyone else to be taken and is like happy that all the people are gone in his thing. And then it turns out to be a slightly like the music gets upbeat and he's having, he's like really giddy, like you said. And I was like, okay, he's chilling. It's like, he's going to be okay for a little while. And then I had the exact same, like I had the whole arc of, ugh, who is this guy? Oh, he's, he's having a grand old time. And then like, how long can this last? How can he just be here in this fenced in city by himself? Not even city, town. Uh, like, sure, he 
he's living off of good wine and the all the rabbits he can kill or whatever filet mignon but that has got to get boring after a while yeah would and you then, be lonely i it's yeah. interesting that they didn't approach that at all because four years is a long time to literally not see another human and i feel like he would have been going a little crazy but he seemed okay i mean he did seem a little crazy to be fair but he seemed like content enough they didn't really show any signs of discontent and they also never addressed it other than at the end him saying like you know i never had something to live for uh we could talk about that line later (laughs) but (laughs) i i just think it's a little odd that he seems like i don't know not mentally unwell after four years of never speaking to anyone but anyway we can jump ahead to so he meets frank and the one of the funniest without being like laugh out led funny lines in a show I've heard in a long time is the this is not an Arby's uh, <laughs> and then the way Murray Bartlett delivers the line Arby's didn't have free lunch it was a restaurant with like such like he was so sincere <laughs> like like almost like he was legitimately confused that was so cute and just He's like, like, wait, we need to workshop writing. this line of yours. <laughs> really excellent writing. Yeah, I thought and that was whole, really cute too. The whole episode was written so well and directed so well and acted so well. I mean, I can go on and on about that. And I, I won't right now, but just needed to mention that. I also love that line. I had – I would have been so freaked out if I were Frank, which I feel like they show maybe like a split second of him thinking when he's down in the hole – before uh, Bill puts the ladder down for him, that he's going to die. He's like, oh God, oh God, oh God. And then he sees the ladder come down and he's like, oh, all right, maybe maybe I'm fine. But like you said, someone alone by themselves, Frank doesn't know how, how long Bill has been alone here. And like, sure, he's really hungry and seeing this guy have a house with hot water or whatever, I immediately would be like, this guy's a serial killer. He's oh, gonna yeah. he's gonna murder me. He's gonna poison me. Like he's gonna keep me for something to eat. I don't know. I was having dark. I was like, I can't believe that he's just making like quippy Arby's comments back. Uh, I think in both <laughs> directions, I was like, I would be a lot more suspicious than this man yeah. is. And even yes. actually in the part where Bill is cooking for Frank, and it's like there's tension, and you can feel the tension in the music, the way it's shot, the way they're talking to each other, it ends up being sexual tension. But, and I knew that because I knew that this episode was about their relationship going into oh. it. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. And I have my, I have notes uh, from like truly minute by minute. I was like, I would be so freaked out if I were Frank, like I just said. And then my next note is, do I ship Frank and Bill? <laughs> and then, horrible. And then, yeah. I was very emotionally invested in Frank and Bill after literally two seconds of them just like talking over their lunch and uh, playing the piano. That whole like that whole scene, I was like, "Oh my god!" I like I like love where this is going. Uh, and then I was a little bit annoyed with the pacing of and okay, maybe this is like like we were just talking about. Maybe this is the effect of not seeing anyone in person for or like not having an emotional connection for a long time or like life in a QZ and then trying to get from one to another. But they're, they kissed like 30 seconds after they met. Like I, I thought it was going to uh, build yeah. up a little bit more <laughs> for that. That was not super realistic to me. I found it a little jarring. 
Yeah, I was so invested. Like they did such a good job of making me invested and like making me want their relationship that then I was a little bit like, oh, you gave it to me too soon. I thought maybe he was going to like live with him for a little while and then we would see that blossom. But it was just sort of like, boom. I think once they realized that they were both gay, they hadn't seen another human, let alone like touched another human in four or so years. Like I think it's sort of just like you you go for it. And if the other person ends up crazy, you run away or you kill them. Or I think the rules are different. (laughs) Like I I just think we're, we're applying too much normal logic to it. But I went through this whole thought process while I was watching it too. And that's where I landed was like, oh, they just haven't seen another human in so long. Like, I guess that this makes sense. But what I was going to say was in the tension of it, and I knew that they were gay and Matt Mm. didn't, he was like, oh, something's about to happen and it won't be good. He was like, I'm getting a (laughs) lot. I'm like getting like dangerous tension. And then he pauses and he goes. It's either that or it's sexual tension. And I laughed because I knew that it was sexual tension, but like it it was just so perfect because it really was. They were building this sort of like ominous feeling and then they kissed and it was weird. But then I was like, okay, I I see it. My the tension switched for me from scary to like cutesy over the course of the meal. Um, like, I don't know if the music changed or you could just sort of see the softening of Bill's face while he, while Frank was effusively like, this is the best meal I've ever had. Oh my God. Like, and when he's like, oh, yeah, you wouldn't expect me to be the type of person who would know what wine to pair with rabbit or whatever. And Frank is like, no, you seem like the type, like all of those interactions. I was like, oh, okay. They're settling into this. Like, I'm not feeling the ominous tension anymore. I'm just feeling like good old fashioned, like tit for tat give and take they're doing like a little a little sexual friend slash more than friends dance you know yeah i think it's so funny that he pinned that he was gay like when did he figure that out but as soon as he pulls out the wine and he's like no i like this is this is like you this is you I was like, okay, clearly he knows he's gay in that moment already. But is it because instead of shooting him or running him off his land, he invited in, him in because he's hot? Like, was he I like, oh, know. yeah, he must be gay? <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm very confident in my looks yeah, and I'm my just, sexual cool. prowess. Obviously, I got in because I'm hot. I don't know. But then also the piano, like, they just – he clearly knew. And he says, who's the girl? But he, he says, I know there's no girl. Like, mm-hmm. he, he knew before that, and I'm not exactly sure, but also – I'm Really not good gay on so. Frank. <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> but I just thought it was really sweet, and it was sort of like they laid these subtle hints in a really nice way. Like you said, it was a little bit fast-paced, but I thought a really nice lead-up to their love story. And then just a really cute transition between that and then – I think it's three years later and then another three years later and just seeing how their relationship is blossoming. And even though they're so different, you know, he like yells at him in that one part for being a crazy doomsday prepper who thinks that 9-11 was an inside job. But like that there's so much love and you feel it so authentically. And I don't know how this show does that. I really don't. How do they make me care so much about these people in like half an hour? They managed to choose perfect scenes of making you believe that the relationship is real. Just like you said, like not always good times, but you can tell that they really care for each other and you can see why and how it works, despite the fact that they have clearly different goals (laughs) in a lot of the ways. Like Frank so much wants other people to be in this little town with them. He wants to open the boutique. He wants to open the, um, what else does he want to open? I can't remember. 
Yeah, when he says he like the, wants to make it nice and he ends up interacting with Joel and Tess and that's how they like end up. Yeah, he's that. the one who kindles that friendship and or I mean, I guess Frank was friends with them. Bill is a begrudging acquaintance <laughs> with the both of them. It seems like the whole time. But yeah, I I loved the whole building of those both both of those characters and you can just see and making them yeah, making us fall in love with their relationship. One scene that I thought was really sweet and didn't really further the story, but it was just heartwarming, was when Nick, Nick Offerman, uh, when <laughs> Bill is eating the strawberry and like lets out this Aww. little giggle. And it's such a Nick Offerman giggle. Like if you've seen Parks mm-hmm. and Rec, well, obviously you have, Jenny. You know that his giggle is so cute and so funny. It's really comedic in the way he does it. But I think it's, his, it's genuinely Nick Offerman's laugh. And it's very like high pitched and cutesy, which doesn't match his like vibe at all but in this scene it was it perfectly sounded like somebody who was like happy and surprised like giddy yeah and I I guess because I just know his giggle really well I was like that was excellent acting the fact that I heard in his giggle that he was like relieved and giddy and like you know he hasn't had strawberries in 15 years or whatever and then we jump forward into the sad the sad times I think is the right way to the call sad them. times. Yeah. <laughs> the sad times. Uh, mm. Yeah, we don't know exactly yeah. what happens to Frank. You know what? Actually, before we get into that part, I thought Bill was dead. Did you also think Bill was dead when he got shot? No, but only because I accidentally read a little like Wikipedia article of Bill, but it was from the game. Um, and I on the thing it said like the the status of Bill was alive or like. Oh. <laughs> something like that. And then I was like, I was like, damn it. Like, I can't believe I just spoiled the episode for me. Like what I mean, I just don't like to, wouldn't have liked to know either way. But because of that, I was just assuming that when Ellie and Joel got there, he would be alive. So even when he was shot, I was like, oh, I guess Frank's going to save him. Little did I know. Oh. Okay. Anyway, but I no, heard, I did not think he died. <laughs> I think I read some stuff that said that Bill and Frank's arc in the show was actually like very, very different from the game. And mostly fabricated. So, I mean, I guess knowing that in the moment could have helped you to not know whether and like what was going to happen in the TV show. But it's funny that like it sort of spoiled the intermediate part of Bill getting shot and you knowing that he was going to survive or thinking he was going to. Because I really thought that was the end. And then when they jumped forward and he was alive, but Frank was ill, I was like, oh, that was a surprise. I thought that was I didn't expect that. And I think he has cancer. I think that's what we're supposed to think because in the very end, he says something like, you know, they couldn't fix this even before like doomsday. So what can they do for me? Like he knows there's nothing. Um, I think that's how we're supposed to know it's cancer. I thought it was, I thought it was something like Parkinson's something because of the way that he is struggling to paint. Like he doesn't have fine motor control anymore. I thought it was something like that. Um, I know. But, I thought that at first too, and then later I thought it was cancer. I, yeah, they don't say for sure. I don't know if anybody yeah, don't give you. knows definitively, but uh, all we know is that he it, it is a terminal situation, and he's he's not loving being alive anymore. I guess is the best way to say it. I felt pretty upset when he told. Well, okay, obviously I, I was upset for the last like twenty minutes of this whole episode, but sad for Bill. That he told him that morning. I feel like knowing exactly how much time you have left with somebody sort of ruins all the time you have left. 
I mean, I don't know. I see it both ways. And obviously I don't have enough, I don't have experience to be able to speak on this from a, you know, real life perspective. But I felt like if he had just told him at the end of the night, it would have been really heartbreaking, but you know, maybe he would have enjoyed the last day more. Yeah. I kept thinking that if I were, if I were Bill and hearing Frank, hearing someone that I loved saying that they, this was their last day, I definitely would have bargained for more time. I just would have been like, well, well, what about like two more days or what about a week? Like, I, I don't think I would have been able to stop myself from saying, like, what what if we do all of the things we love to do? Like, what if we just have a, like one more week? Even though like, I think what you're saying is you would like to not know before the moment it happens. Like, you would have liked him for him to say it during dinner or something like that so that you're not, yeah. you know, I thinking think about it all day. it's horrible anyway. I mean, and this feels like tough to even really speak with authority on. I think would like to make it clear that I'm not speaking yeah. with authority on it. I do not know what this is like. It would be so tragic either way he did it. I just think to avoid the like the bargaining and to avoid the I don't know, Bill's depression the day of uh, that he would have done it like just right before. He would have just told him right before. Obviously like in the end we see that him knowing the whole day gives him the chance to make the decision that he will be going as well. Right. And so it, it sort of had to go that way. And I I think it made sense. I'm like going to start crying. <laughs> I think it made sense the way they did it because it sort of ties back to what I was thinking in the beginning, which is like, what is he living for? And I think having this relationship with Frank, like, made him realize he wasn't living for anything beforehand. And he says, this isn't the tragic suicide at the end mm -hmm. of the play. You were my purpose. But it is tragic. <laughs> Man, I really, this episode really killed me. But I see his point. And I just think it was, it was this perfect love story encapsulated in, you know, dystopian world, but just very real in a lot of ways. And really a high standard for telling love stories in TV shows and movies in the future. I can't believe how how emotional just Nick Offerman's face while hearing that. And then also Murray's face. Like both of their – just their acting choices when dealing with this really difficult conversation like truly sold the whole thing. I mean, like you said, the storytelling in itself is excellent. But their, their portrayals of these two – characters oh god like heart-wrenching in a huge way to see nick offerman's eyes fill with tears and then just sort of swallow them a little bit and be like let's get married let's do these things let's have one last one more good day together is just like ugh, knife in the gut i don't know both of their acting performances i mean give them both emmys please everyone involved with this episode deserves an emmy i've never felt that more strongly like I will be so mad if they do not win for that episode. I've never seen anything like that. I mean, I've seen a lot of good acting. One day I will probably take this back because something else will <laughs> awe me. But in this moment, I just cannot believe how good they were. And Nick Offerman was so believable. I mean, yeah, oh, I'm excited to rewatch this episode. Like, I can't do it soon because I will huh. be a puddle. But like, I just... To me, this was better than most movies I've seen. Like, this was just so good. Like a little short story movie. Yeah. I mean, it was an hour and 20 minutes long. 
I like realized that when I started the episode and thought, yeah. oh, that's a little too long. And yeah, then- I did think to myself, Jess said none of the other episodes were <laughs> over an hour and that. she lied to me. I like, blatantly lied. And I was like, uh-oh, it's a little too long. And then I watched the whole thing and I was like, that's it? It's over? Why isn't there more? Like I was distraught and I was like, okay, it's because it was a movie. Like at the end of the day, mm-hmm. that's what it was. And it was a really, yeah. really good one. I don't mean to take us out of our emotional zone, but like no, you were saying. Do. I'm like near tears. I got to I gotta shake it off. <laughs> Um, well, so like you were saying, this is, I read also the biggest departure from the game thus far. Like we don't get this backstory in the um, game, I don't believe. I think the most you know is that Bill used to have someone that he cared for. First of all, Bill is still alive when Joel and Ellie get to Lincoln in the game, which is what I saw and it sort of spoiled for me. And then like, yikes, whoops, that wasn't true in the in the TV show. So I guess it didn't spoil it for me. In the game... Bill is still alive. He, I think he has some line about the fact that he used to have someone worth saving or something. Uh, he like makes some comment about a partner he used to have, like alluding to Frank. So Frank's gone, but Bill's still there. Uh, and and there's really no more story about what happened there. Um, so this whole arc is like pretty new and was written for the show. And I wonder how the game fans will respond. I can't, like, I would be so shocked if they were anything but receptive to this, except for the fact that, you know, he's, that Bill's dead. But, but I feel like the effect is probably very similar, at least like, you know, Joel gets supplies that he needs. Clearly it's more sad. Um, than if Bill were alive to give them the supplies himself and like to have like it would have been fun to have an Ellie Bill scene you know that would have been cute I feel like they would have played off each other well but yeah essentially super different from the game but I think same result in how they then move forward from Lincoln although I don't know if they get to use Bill's car in the game I don't know whatever that is or if it's just that he has a spare battery or something and that's what helps them I assume game fans are probably well, there's no way anybody didn't like this episode. I mean, if they did, then if people who didn't like it are trash. But I assume that the game fans are sort of like excited that there gets to be something new that they didn't already know. That's what I would guess. Mm. But we can ask when we interview our game expert. Yeah. But then other <laughs> than excited. that, I think, like you said, it's probably the end goal is the same. They get a truck or they get a battery or whatever the fact may be. I really appreciate that the showrunners – they understand the game obviously really well. I mean, they've got one of the game creators working mm-hmm. on the show, but they understand the game, but they understand what they're doing with the show and their goal with the show so clearly. And you can feel it in this episode strongly. And that's what I was saying in the beginning of our recording, which is that, you know, it's about surviving, but it's about connection and these relationships. And so they felt like it was important to pull out this little side story that doesn't even go this way in the video game and turn it into this mm-hmm. survivalist love story to drive on the point that like, I don't, it, I think I said this before, but the show ends up being very like station 11 more than hmm. a zombie show. And it's this idea of, you know, in a dystopian world, what do connections look like and how are people finding something to live for? And I just think that's, it's so much better than if this were just a zombie survival show. Yeah, it's still underneath it all. The human parts are still kind of the same. Like you still need you need people, you need emotional connections to have a fulfilling life, even if most of the other parts of your life are just staying alive. Like that's not enough. Yeah, I 
Can we talk a little bit about the letter that Bill left? Because that made me laugh and then like tear up also. Because it starts out being addressed to Joel or whomever. And basically is like, I never liked you very much. (laughs) However, like you were competent. And so I leave everything to you because, you know, I didn't, I don't remember the exact wording, but like you, like we've been saying, he, he kind of spells out before Frank, I had nothing really to live for. And Frank was my purpose. Now, like I leave everything to you because, you know, you, you deserve to have the supplies to protect the people that are important. And he actually names Tess, which is also heartbreaking. Ellie stops reading when she gets oh, to that point. So sad. And then they sort of move on. Joel has his his moment. He he takes a little breather and then they start collecting all of their supplies, which kind of seemed like a fun time, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> like in the midst of all the emotional turmoil, I was like, ooh, they get to like walk around this cool house and just like pick up stuff. That I they feel want like to it take was with them. Giving like pre heist in a heist movie vibes. Like, yeah, let's exactly. Gear up. <laughs> and the same and then, thing of, and then when they get in the car and like have the, I mean, the Linda Ronstadt's long, long time, which has been playing throughout the episode. That was also the, the song that they played on the piano when they first got together, Bill and Frank, leaving with that song playing and they're both it's like such a stark departure from the first time we see joel in in a vehicle where he's panicked and trying to get out with his brother and his daughter and this is much more i mean clearly not relaxed relaxed but it feels more like like you said the beginning of a heist the beginning of like a road trip ellie's stoked she's never been in a car she's so cute in the car you know what's interesting is that one scene sort of randomly but she like takes the side view mirror and like angles it towards his face and that was the first time in these three episodes where I have actually thought to myself I wonder if that's a game moment because that felt a little unnatural to me but it was just such a short little moment but that one stuck out to me I don't I don't know if I noticed that yeah I don't know that I don't know why I did I just had that thought and so now I really want to know if it's a scene in the game like if it's an image in the game it would have just been literally one second it was so short but I had that thought and then I wondered that again with the view out the window when they were driving away. Yeah, it was very like cinematic. So I, I don't know if it was in the game or if it was just for the show, but they died on the first floor and the view out the window was the second floor. So I thought that was questionable. He brought them to bed at the end. He, yeah, on the first floor. They take, is that where the room is? Yeah. Because we even see like he goes into the room and we're like looking at the stairs that are going up and he walks into the room at the back of the floor on the first floor. Because I don't think he can do – the other guy can't do stairs. Like Frank can't go up the stairs. I didn't actually see them. I I guess I did not clock that at all. Yeah. I don't – I mean I don't think you were supposed to Hmm. because I think it was supposed to be like it was out the window of their bedroom. (laughs) And actually Matt was the one who pointed it out. I wouldn't have noticed it either. I think it was just a better shot. (laughs) <laughs> to go from that window. It was it still had a nice effect. Yeah, the slow camera pan backward through their open window. I was like, holy crap, this is because they don't say, I mean, they the all you know about where they died is that they say they left the window open so that the house wouldn't smell or something. And then you get yeah. sort of that. We don't see their bodies. We just sort of see it's almost like a last goodbye kind of thing. And then you see the the car pulling away from that shot from inside. I thought that was really great. I loved it so much, despite the fact that it may or may not have been consistent with where they actually yes, died. Unsure um, about the realism, but a beautiful, beautiful moment. Do we think moment. long, long time is going to be running up that hill? 
Are we gonna? Is it gonna get a running up that hill treatment? Okay, maybe hot take here. Not as good a song as running up that hill. <laughs> I don't think. That's I a think hot it's a take. good song. I felt but less I like energized listening to it than I did the first time I heard running up that hill. Even before oh, sure. running up that hill got the running up that hill treatment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think more people will listen to it because of this. I think it'll get a portion of the running up that hill treatment for sure. Despite the fact that all of that, like the listening to Long Long Time, the sort of back and forth between Joel and Ellie as they're leaving on this not so fun road trip, but that seems joyful to Ellie. And even Joel, even Joel has sort of like a slightly upbeat, upturned mouth. I wouldn't call it a smile, but he doesn't seem, you know, for the first time in a little while, especially since Tess just died, he seems like a little bit more positive. But I was going to say that seemed in sort of a stark contrast to the feeling that I got in the pit of my stomach when Ellie takes Frank's gun before they leave. She kind of hides it. She's she's looking at the the wall of guns when they're in Bill's bunker, and Joel definitively says like No, you cannot have one, and she's visibly disappointed. And it's sort of a funny back and forth that they've been having for the last few episodes. She really wants a gun; he won't let her have it. And then she finds Frank's gun in the drawer in the dining room and hides it in her backpack. Uh, and I had this like sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach, like Oh no, like the whole. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. Is it Chekhov? Like when you when a gun appears in Act One, like it's going to go off by Act Three or something like that. Like she's Ellie is going to have to be. We already saw her be violent in this episode, but it just sort of like spelled even more danger ahead. We sort of skated through the last two episodes with minimal conflict. <laughs> That's a big statement to make when they've clearly been running from infected and like there has been conflict. But do you know what I mean? Like I kind of thought that that gun was a symbol of, oh, they're going to re- they're really getting into the thick of it now. Like the further they go west, the more Ellie might need a gun. Yeah, it's definitely building the tension and building to some sort of later conflict on either in their journey or on the west, uh, in the west. And it's certainly a Chekhov's gun situation, I would say. I'm glad it was Chekhov's gun because I really forgot. And then it or we're <laughs> like, oh, no, I'm just saying the wrong, <laughs> the wrong Russian person. But that was – I, and then I had those conflicting feelings. This whole episode I had those – had a great push and pull of emotion, which I think is just like the mark of an excellent episode of television. But yeah, just push between sort of elation of them leaving on this road trip, the sort of like – and then the sadness of knowing what they left behind, the Frank and Bill story – but then knowing that Frank and Bill had such a lovely life together for the most part, uh, and then like, oh geez, they're, they've got a lot of got a lot of struggles up ahead. Probably there was just like a lot going through me at the end of this episode. Just a lot of thoughts, a lot of feelings. I think that is a sign of a good episode. I am excited about what's to come. I just I'm like mourning the end of this episode. Like I'm sad that it's over. <laughs> I don't know. It like it was a sad episode. Yeah. And I'm sad that I won't get to watch it for the first time again. Something about this episode, though, we did get to see Anna Torv again, even though if it was just, even though it was like very brief, which, you know, yeah, made that me was fun. hopeful that maybe she'll be in future episodes as well. And maybe, you know, Bill and Frank, there might be some flashbacks of other times they went to go visit him. Maybe that's asking for too much, but it it's not be, impossible. It but if this is all we got, I'm still happy. What a good episode. Just all around 10 Truly. out of 10. Absolutely. Yes. I feel like we were a little bit not down on episode two, but um, just like 
acknowledging that maybe it wasn't our favorite episode of television, although it was still good and still good in the flow of what has turned out to be a great, like so far a great series that we were not expecting. Um, But this episode, hot damn. Episode three, I'm sure it's got to win some awards. I haven't heard anyone speaking badly of it. Um, No, for sure. This will be an Emmy winner, Emmy award getter. I wonder if the high of this episode will make us really critical of the next. I am definitely curious to see how the next handful of episodes go. I think they will all be sort of structurally different if the first three are any mm-hmm. indication. But I just – I feel like this is going to be a top three show of the year. Like it's already just blowing everything out of the water. It's just so good. So we'll see. Maybe I'll eat my words. But I'm feeling good. Feeling positive. Everyone should watch this. Um, people listening to this episode have already seen it, but tell your friends to watch it. And uh, I, I'd say unless we have something that I've been missing, I think that probably wraps this up. Tune in next week because we will absolutely be watching episode four. Find links to follow us on socials and subscribe to our newsletter in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to Double Take. If you like what you heard, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review. See you next time. The Double Take podcast is produced by Jess Ball and me, Jennifer Cullen. 